Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Hello, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you for being part of the remnant of truth proclaimers and defenders. And we appreciate your, your support and your prayers uh, for us here at Stand Up For The Truth. And thank you for listening and for sharing our podcast. It's because of you that um, with all of our limitations and censorship on social media, shadow banned on Facebook and other Uh, limitations we have because of you our numbers have been up in the last two months so thank you who are listening right now and uh, sharing the podcast father in heaven thank you for giving us another day we know your mercies are new every morning great is your faithfulness O god we know that you are the truth jesus and you have given us your word and we pray that you would give us the boldness and let us be led by the holy spirit and help us to share. Lord, it's so important at this time where people are afraid, depressed, anxious. Um, Some are suicidal, record numbers of suicides. Father in heaven, please have mercy on your church and help us to get out and to share the good news, the only hope that people have. And we pray that you would just remind us every time we have an opportunity, Lord, of the importance of the gospel, and for such a time as this, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. We love you. We know that you are sovereign and in control, and we trust you, God, one day at a time. Thank you for this day that you have made. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I was just looking uh, at some scriptures. We'll get to those in, in a minute. I want to share one that just seems to keep coming up. But first, I want to get to our guest today. I can't wait to uh, talk to Mike Gendron again, uh, Proclaiming the Gospel Ministries. He's an evangelist and author of books such as Contending for the Gospel and Preparing for Eternity. He was a devout Roman Catholic for 30 years, but that changed in 1981 when he attended an evangelical seminar, and he realized the Bible is the supreme authority for knowing truth. Mike Gendron, thank you so much for being back on Stand Up for the Truth with us. Well, it's always good to be with you, David, and wow, what an important ministry you have, standing up for the truth, because I have never seen truth under such assault as we've seen today. There just seems to be so much propaganda, so it's good that you're, you're a clarion voice now for the mm. truth of God's Word. Well, we, um, it's, it's a high honor and a responsibility, and it's a little heavy at times, but we've got to keep casting those cares over on the Lord and fight the good fight of faith one day at a time as he gives us opportunities. Uh, Mike, before we get into what we want to talk about, and that is God's prophetic word, and it's so encouraging to believers, but we also have to deal with what's going on in the world today. There's some chaotic events, and there's political division, there's a falling away, there's apostasy in the church, and we also want to talk about the Pope, his worldview. Uh, you have, you're really knowledgeable about the Catholic faith and what it teaches compared to the uh, true biblical faith, so we want to talk about that. But first, I want to get an update on your ministry. Most of the people we interview are authors, speakers. They had a ministry traveling. They've done conferences. Now a lot of people are doing these Zoom or online calls or, or conferences, but w- what have you been doing? And I'm sure COVID has impacted your uh, ministry to a degree. Share with us, please. Yes, COVID definitely has impacted our ministry, but with the technology that's now available, our ministry continues to thrive. And we have actually done many Zoom events, even as far away as Lithuania, where I did a conference there with a group of Christians and a very dominant Roman Catholic society. And also locally, I've been able to uh, preach and teach in the local area. We flew out to Washington State and had a great ministry there for three days and over in Denver, Colorado as well for a two-day conference. And so we've been staying busy. I've also had the opportunity to be a contributing author 
to a new book that's very timely right now. It's entitled Lawless, and it's the wage of the end time war by the spirit of Antichrist. And so as one of uh, 17 authors, I had an opportunity to share what's going on in the world today as it relates to biblical prophecy. That's interesting you say that. Uh, just a couple weeks ago, we interviewed Terry James, the author of Lawless, and we talked about a lot of the contents in that book, and uh, we know that you have a chapter in that book. What was the chapter that you did? What was that called, Mike? Well, I did a chapter on the influence of Pope Francis and the global government that will one day control all the people on the earth. You know, he is uh, not only pushing for a global religion, but this is the first pope in modern times that's really pushed for a global government. And he's also involved, of course, in the global economy as well. So my chapter relates to a lot of biblical prophecy related to the false prophet that will one day team with a lawless man, the man of lawlessness that will rule the world for a period of time. Speaking of lawlessness, um, in your new newsletter, God's Prophetic Word Encourages Believers, um, these verses, Mike, they keep coming up, and it's understandable knowing the times we're in. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, but realize this, that in the last days difficult times will come, for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding, a, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. And aren't we seeing a lot of that in the world and in America today? Well, we really are. It's such a description of the depravity of human mankind and um you know, I, I made a point to state that um, we have seen this throughout history, of course, the description of the depravity of man. But I made a point to note that the prophetic time clock actually restarted in 1948 when mm -hmm. Israel was renamed a sovereign nation and the Jews were back in the land. And so that was really the beginning of the end times prophecy that we're seeing today. And so when we look at the depravity of man, and everything that's going on today, it really fits into the prophetic time clock for all the end-time events. You know, Paul goes on to say in that passage that we are to avoid such men of depraved mind who oppose the truth. Hmm. They are evil men and impostors who will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. And so we see that throughout the world, but most importantly, as we look at our the state of our union today, we're seeing so many of these men in government positions and also in positions of high influence and in the big tech. And so we're really sensing uh, a period of time where we've never experienced before. There is pr uh, the highest level of deception that I think most of us have ever seen. Um, and what Obviously, the enemy is the great deceiver, the father of lies. But as far as in our culture, I know the, the media is a big issue in, in America, but within the church, what do you look at as maybe one of the biggest deceptions um, that we're dealing with today or that we have to deal with? Well, the Bible talks about an end times apostasy, and that's a departure from the faith of the apostles. And we're, we've been seeing that in our churches today. I look at the book of Revelation, we see seven churches there. They were historic churches, but I think they also represent epics of time. And there's no doubt we're in the epic of time mm. described by the Laodicean church, where the church is lukewarm and Christ is outside. And the churches today in America, and I'm sure the influence of America throughout the world has impacted many churches there, too. But we're seeing a compromised gospel. We're seeing churches turned into entertainment centers, and there's very little preaching of God's Word. Instead, we see a lot of entertainment and skits. And one of the things I do is I witness throughout the week as I ask people where they go to church. And, and then when they explain to me about their church, I say, what do you like most about it? And not one person ever says, 
the preaching or the biblical exposit of um, truth. And so it's mostly about entertainment. People just go to be entertainment, to be entertained, and so they feel like they're Christians because they're part of a church. And so I see the great apostasy, the falling away from the faith. You know, when the Word of God is not faithfully preached from the pulpit, then the people in the pew are not getting a steady diet of truth. Amen. And when you don't hear the truth, then you're easily prone to deception. And I think that's the state of the church today, is that people have no discernment. They cannot discern truth from error Hmm. because they're not hearing truth faithfully preached from the pulpit. I'm I'm glad you brought that up, uh, Mike, because I was just talking to someone Sunday after church about this very thing, and you called a lot of churches entertainment centers. For some of our listeners, I think the majority get it. We've talked about it before. We've got one guest who famously says, American Christianity is not biblical, true biblical Christianity, because of the method, because of the buildings, because of uh, what some megachurches do, because of the performance aspect of a worship team, because of the, the entertaining value. And that, should, that shouldn't even concern us. Uh, but, Mike, how do we—there's not enough men of God, there aren't enough ministries, it seems to me, that are talking about these things, that trying to sound the alarm— that we are entertaining people instead of giving them God's Word and equipping the saints and discipling. What Do you have a solution that I'm not aware of to this problem? Well, we need to go back to the faithful preaching of God's Word. You know, you could probably look at the broad spectrum of churches in America, and I would put pastors in three different categories. There are those who faithfully preach and exposit the Word of God, and that's a very small category. And then you have those who will entertain people, and their desire is not to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ, but to gain a larger following. And so they avoid the hard truths of the gospel because they know that that will turn people away. And so they're more interested in their popularity, their influence, and the impact they're making in their community. And then the third category of preachers are those who have already gone apostate, and they don't teach the truth of God's Word. They deceive people with false messages. And so that pretty much categorizes the churches in America. And the pastors in the first category are really on the endangered species list (laughs) because you can rarely find them. Mm -hmm. We get calls from all over America, where can I find a solid biblical church that faithfully preaches the Word of God, and they're just rare. It's so hard to find them. And I get more comments and emails from people asking that question, um, where can I find a solid, biblically-based church that is unashamed of the gospel, that is not afraid to tackle cultural or, quote, political issues, and that wants to equip the people for ministry and get out and be an impact. You know, we hear a lot about salt and light so often, but it just seems like we've kind of set that aside as just something that's just an idea rather than what the church is really to be in our culture, isn't it? So true. Yeah, we're no longer the salt and the light. And uh, I think that uh, you could put a lot of blame on what's happening in America on the churches today because we've lost our role, our God-given role, to be salt and light. And so people are so easily deceived today. Truth is hard to find. Mm. People just speak without even having any accountability for what they're saying to be true. And, you know, the other thing that's really affected our country today is a lack of justice. People can just get away with anything, and there's no accountability holding people responsible for their actions and again, I put a lot of the blame on the churches today. Yeah, there's a little plug for the book Lawless. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's a little plug because uh, we see this spirit of Antichrist, but a part of that, what we're seeing manifested, is lawlessness. We're, now, we're not surprised by that as believers, as people who know the truth and know humanity, the heart of man and the Bible. We're not surprised by lawlessness. Mike, what we've been um, kind of uh, shocked by in America is the approval of lawlessness. And, the, for example, last year when all the, the months of rioting and, 
and protesting and vandalism and all that. I mean, dozens of people were murdered, a dozen, hundreds lost businesses. They were burned down. Some police were told to stand down. So we've seen a level of lawlessness in America that we've never seen before. Your thoughts on that? Well, it's so true. And I think we have to recognize, and this is why I try to encourage people in my monthly newsletter, but we need to remember that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness and the heavenly places. Those are the words of Paul in Ephesians 6.12. And so as Christians, we recognize that we may be outnumbered and outmanned by evil forces of darkness, but we have to recognize our awesome God still reigns. Mm. And we report to him and we carry out his plan. And so we need to pray for our troubled nation with an attitude of thanksgiving for the one who created and upholds and rules the universe with his sovereign, omnipotent power. And the King of Kings has already declared victory. We are to hold on until he comes again and he defeats evil. And so that should be an encouragement to every Christian that God's prophetic plan is unfolding just as he prophesied in his word. And so we're right on schedule. And more than ever, we need to recognize we are indeed a blessed generation. Mm -hmm. We may be the generation that is alive when the Lord Jesus returns to set up his thousand-year reign on earth. We've got about uh, four minutes left in this segment, Mike, and so we are going to get to Pope Francis and some of your concerns. Some of, I mean, if you're in the Catholic Church, you should really be concerned. I know, I think um, my guess would be a lot of Catholics are split over support of the Pope who joined a uh, pro-population control um, conference in the world leaders and commemorated the Paris Climate Accord. This was a pro-abortion UN climate conference. So we're talking about that in the next segment. And we also want to get a little bit, you mentioned global government earlier. Um, we'll ask your, your thoughts about the Great Reset and, and how that's going to impact the church in America. But something you have in your newsletter, and again, I want to put this link in our podcast post. It's God's Prophetic Word Encourages Believers. And you were scratching me right where I itch when you said, um, uh, let's see, uh, the government has a willing partner in the leftist liberal media, which continues to feed gullible Americans a steady diet of deceptive narratives and insidious propaganda while suppressing the truth. There's that idea again from Scripture of suppressing the truth. This is what's happening, and it's a, we're in a dangerous place right now when the people, whether that be Christian or not, just citizens are not getting the whole truth from the media and from our government. Uh, Mike, you've heard about the censorship of uh, free speech and Christians and conservatives on social media and even the president. What are your thoughts on that as we've got to wrap up in about two and a half minutes here? Well, sure, there's two thoughts. Um, number one, we have daily conversations with people that we meet, and it's so apparent those who listen to the leftist liberal media and those who listen to conservative news outlets and those that listen to liberal media, they are really being programmed by the liberal media, and they're being programmed to do whatever the media tells them to do, and it seems like they are unwilling to listen to the opposing view, the truth. Mm -hmm. And so when I see that there's been now um, a movement to silence the conservative media, I'm just wondering, you know, how much of an impact this is going to have because so much of the population now has already bought the lie of the leftist media. And so to silence the conservative media, I don't think is going to affect any of them. And those that already believe the conservative truth, they're going to look for other outlets. And so I think there'll always be an opportunity for conservatives to join together and to share ideas, even though it appears like most of big tech is trying to silence us. Yeah, and I've never seen it at this level before. And we have to be prepared, and there's so many things we could talk about where that goes, but that's not the topic for today. But be concerned, but don't be surprised. I think that's uh, one admonition we can give to our, our listeners today. Don't be shocked at anything the enemy would do or his minions. 
whether they be human or demonic. Um, we were with Mike Gendron, Proclaiming the Gospel Ministries, and we'll be talking about a lot more when we come back on Stand Up for the Truth. Keep it right here. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Uh, Mike Jenrin, Proclaiming the Gospel Ministries. He'll be coming to Green Bay, Wisconsin, uh, April 10 and 11. More info on that on his website, ProclaimingTheGospel.org. Is it .org? Yes. Yes. ProclaimingTheGospel.org. Plus, I'll put the link in today's podcast notes at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Another reminder that he's got a chapter, one of the contributors to the book Lawless, uh, The Spirit of Antichrist is Moving. And Terry James, of course, we interviewed him a couple weeks ago. He's the general editor of the book Lawless. So, Mike, you contributed to that. So back to our topic before we get into uh, Pope Francis and some major concerns about him leading people astray. Um, you mentioned global government, and we have talked to some degree about the Great Reset and the concern for their, how they're using COVID. Admittedly, openly, they're saying we are using COVID-19 and these lockdowns as a strategic opportunity to reset capitalism, to reset the world. And here we are in America. We've got our freedoms. We still have the Constitution. Um, there are restrictions on us and our ways of life. But do we even know what might be coming? Yeah, it's really interesting. Again, we're so thankful that God has revealed what is coming to us. But when we look at the global government and the effect the um, worldwide pandemic has had on rebuilding it or rebuilding the Tower of Babel, if you will, this uh, worldwide pandemic has been a catalyst for globalists to centralize and also digitize data on a growing segment of the world's population. And David, we have to realize the ultimate goal of the globalist agenda is widespread surveillance and control over people's lives, and that includes their jobs, their religious activities, medical care, travel, buying and selling. And, and we're already seeing that some of the airlines are going to forbid people from flying unless they have the vaccine. And so historically, we've seen that every serious crisis has brought about new opportunities for government control. Yes. And this coronavirus crisis will eventually pass. But I think what's amazing to see is that the government will never forget how easy it was to take control of people's lives. Yes. It's just been so amazing to me to see the willingness for people to relinquish their freedom under government control. That's w one thing that a lot of our guests that have been on this podcast have said, that they're not surprised that man would do these things, but they're shocked at Americans and our response, and particularly the church. I'll be interviewing a pastor tomorrow from Texas who's got a lawsuit right now with the, their gov state governor, and they've been fined $10,000 for holding a Christmas Eve service, and the government just thinks, well, the church is not essential. So this is what the world and even even our culture in America thinks of the church. So we've got to get back to that place of, I hate to be redundant, but being salt and light. Um, also in your newsletter, you talk about the global economy that will control commerce, a global religion that will force worship of a false Christ. What does that look like, Mike? We understand how uh, they can control the uh, monetary, uh, financial uh, um, institutions with the global economy. We don't all understand how global religion would work. How could you know Islam and, and Judeo-Christian uh, values and other religions, how could they all want to work together? Well, it's interesting that you asked that question because this uh, Pope, Pope Francis, is now not only moving toward a global religion, he's also really pushing a global government. But one of the large religions that he's gone after and with a lot of success is Islam. And people have asked the question that you just asked, well, how can Roman Catholicism have any common bonds with Islam to the point where they would be united together? But I did a message not too long ago on the common bonds between Islam and Roman Catholicism. And when I share that with people, they just their jaws drop because there's so much in common. Hmm. They both esteem and honor Mary 
as the most important woman who's ever lived. A lot of people don't realize that Islam and the Quran has Mary as the only woman that appears in the Quran, hmm. and she is highly esteemed. She appears 37 times. Wow. No other woman appears in the Quran. Both religions are seeking messages from apparitions of Mary. I don't know if you're aware of that, but uh, apparition sites like Fatima in Portugal, mm -hmm. Muslims are now going there to receive a message from Mary. And we know ultimately that these apparitions are lying signs and wonders that will mark the end times deception as well. Yes. So it could be very well understood that Mary may one day call for the unification of all of her children, Muslims and Roman Catholics. Both religions are anti-Semitic. Both have a history of being against the Jews. Mm -hmm. Both embrace another Jesus. Catholicism, as you know, has a counterfeit Jesus whose death on the cross was not sufficient to save them. And Islam has a counterfeit Jesus, they refer to as Esau, who did not die on a cross and is not God, only a prophet. Both religions, David, seek world dominion. And so I think this is a common bond that will really move them forward toward unity. They both have an autocratic government with a history of forced conversions, and they kill those who oppose them. That's their history. Both deny the authority of Scripture. The Roman Catholic Church believes that their infallible pope and their traditions are equal in authority to the authority of Scripture. Both use prayer beads to avoid punishment. Wow. Now, a lot of people realize that Catholics have their rosary, but Muslims also have their prayer beads as well. Just a couple of more quick uh, common bonds. Both take pilgrimages to obtain favor from God. Hmm. Pope Francis recently invited Roman Catholics to come through the wooden door at St. Peter's to receive a plenary indulgence, which means all their sins are washed away. Both have human mediators. Catholics rely on the priesthood to dispense salvation. And Muslims rely on the intercession of Muhammad on Judgment Day. Wow. He will prostrate himself before Allah, who will say, Oh, Muhammad, speak. It will be heard and be given. Intercede, and it will be approved. And lastly, and most importantly for all the global religions that will come together, both have a works <clears throat> righteousness salvation. Mm. David, a lot of people don't realize that biblical Christianity is set apart from all the religions of the world, and they teach salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. Every other religion teach, teaches you must do things to appease their God, and they must do works righteousness in order to gain paradise. So those are the common bonds, and it's very easy to see how through an apparition of Mary, these two religions would come together. And I think it's just a matter of time before the other religions follow suit. Interesting. Thank you, Mike, for spelling that out. I want to go back to something you said and have you explain it a little bit. We've got some former Catholics in our listening audience. They've contacted us, and they've thanked us for our, our commitment to uh, Scripture and the truth of God's Word. And also there are some new listeners that might not understand what you meant when you said, uh, you know, they teach another Jesus, but you said that they believe in a Jesus that whose sacrifice is not sufficient to save them. Are you referring to uh, the Catholic Mass? Uh, and uh, could you please explain that? Well, sure, I'd be glad to. Yeah, the Catholic Jesus mm -hmm. is um, a Jesus that returns every day at the beck and call of a priest. He is said to have the power to call the Lord Jesus Christ back down from heaven to be transubstantiated into a wafer, and then the priest will lift up the wafer for all the Catholics to worship this piece of bread as the physical body and blood, soul, and divinity of Christ. And then the priest will lay the wafer on the altar to be offered as a propitiatory sacrifice, which means the wrath of God is turned away on the sins committed by the Catholics during the previous week. So what happens here is the work of redemption continues on Catholic altars. Instead of uh, trusting the words of Christ when he cried out in victory, it is finished on Calvary's cross, the Catholic Church denies that it's finished, and they continue the work of redemption. 
And David, that's why Roman Catholics never have assurance of salvation, because every time they come to the Mass, they're having their sins forgiven mm-hmm. that they committed in the previous week. And we know from Scripture that Jesus took all of our sin, yes. all of our guilt, all of our punishment, and according to Colossians 2.13 and 14, he paid the eternal sin debt, and so we are completely forgiven. And I love the verses in Romans 4.8, Blessed is the man whose sin God does not take into account. And then in 2 Corinthians 5.18, we see that God is reconciling the world to himself, not counting men's sins against them. And the reason he doesn't count them against us anymore is because they were all placed on Christ, all of our past, all of our future sins. And so this is good news for those who deny the finished work of Christ, that you can know right here and now that all your sins have been forgiven, that you've been imputed with the righteousness of Christ, and because of Christ, you can be 100% sure that when you die, you'll be in his presence to celebrate and glorify him throughout all eternity. Mike, thank you for that, for explaining that. I think it's very, very helpful uh, to part of our audience, uh, especially our newer listeners. And um, we will get to where uh, Pope Francis spoke at this UN uh, population control um, conference, this pro-abortion climate conference. But I, I want to go back to something that I believe I, maybe was from the last time we were on with together in this podcast last year, um, that you... Either I looked it up and read this, or you mentioned that the the Catholic Church, the Catechism, or the Church teachings of the Roman Catholic Church say that Muslims are our brothers. And I, I, I ask that because I'm I'm still trying to wrap my head around how all these religions will work together. One more uh, point to for you to respond to. Um, Joel Osteen several years ago was interviewed, and uh, he said Mormons are. Our brothers. He was asked if uh, Mormons are Christians. He said, "Yeah, I think they are." And he went on to to uh, mention their their way of life. So we've got a lot of confusion on world religions in our church. So please respond to: Is that in the Catholic teaching that Muslims are the brothers of the Catholic Church? Well, in paragraph eight forty one of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, it dares to say that Muslims are part of God's plan of salvation. And this is a group of religious people who deny the deity of Jesus Christ. They deny that he died on a cross to forgive their sins, but yet the Catechism says that they're part of God's plan of salvation. To make matters worse, you and I who believe in the sufficiency of Jesus Christ to save us completely and forever, we are condemned over 100 times by the anathemas pronounced at the Council of Trent. Hmm. And so the Catholic Church lifts up those who deny the deity of Christ as brothers. But, you know, it goes back to, I think, what Pope Francis said just a couple of years ago. He said that despite the differing beliefs, everyone is a child of the same God. Mm. He said many think differently or seek God in different ways, but there is only one certainty. We are all children of God. Oh, boy. And we need to ask the question, well, how does this line up with Scripture? Well, to the apostate religious leaders in John chapter 8, verse 44, Jesus said, You are of your father the devil, Hmm. and your will is to do your father's desire. So clearly, everybody in this world is either a child of the devil or a child of God. John, um, The apostle John also wrote in 1 John 3, verse 10, It is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. And so it's clear from Scripture that not everyone is a child of God. But this pope is not only anti-biblical, he's also become anti-Roman Catholicism, because a lot of what he has recently said goes against historic Roman Catholic beliefs. In fact, he has even said that atheists will make it to heaven as long as they are sincere in their beliefs. Well, that's not historic Roman Catholicism. Hmm. And so this pope is getting a lot of pushback by some of the conservative cardinals. And there may either be a rift or we may see him resign shortly. That's fascinating. I know there's been a split for years, just simply on the issue of life in the womb. 
And uh, let's go there and uh, hear your thoughts on what the Pope believes as far as abortion, because he spoke at this, um, he joined pro-population control world leaders. And he spoke in a video conference commemorating the Paris Climate Accord. They're all about, uh, he, he pledged zero CO2 by the year 2050. Now, this is a pro-abortion UN climate conference. And, of course, those global elites that think man is the problem uh, uh, and the answer is less people, they are pro-population control. So your thoughts on this uh, Paris Climate Accord, his, his comments at this conference and putting this focus on the environment and preserving environment rather than life in the womb. Yeah, I'm glad you brought this up because Pope Francis just gives lip service to his stance for pro-life. It wasn't just a couple of years ago where Pope Francis praised Italy's leading proponent of abortion as one of the Mm -hmm. nation's forgotten greats. Her name is Emma Bonio. And she worked as an abortion clinic um, assistant that boasted of over 10,000 abortions. And so pro-life leaders expressed their disbelief and anger over his statement that she be honored as one of the nation's forgotten greats. So you asked the question, David, where's the outrage from Roman Catholics? Yes. When are Roman Catholics going to say enough is enough? How many more lies and ungodly statements are they willing to tolerate from this false prophet who is leading people down the broad road to destruction? And if there's any Catholics listening to your broadcast, I don't say this to be hateful or unloving, but... We need to speak the truth, and the only hope that you have is not to follow personalities, but to follow the inerrant, infallible, authoritative Word of God. You're being misled by this man, and you need to test every man's teaching with the Word of God. That needs to become our supreme authority in all matters of faith. Wow. I'm just so shocked that we don't hear more about this. I think, could it be, Mike, that a lot of well-intentioned people that are Catholic— uh, are embarrassed by some of the stances and the worldview uh, and comments made by this pope? Yeah, and I engage Catholics all the time. You know, that's the main focus of our ministry is to rescue Roman Catholics from their false and fatal gospel that they're embracing. But one of the things that um, always comes up is they say, well, we don't really follow what the pope says. And my response is, if my pastor started saying the things that your Pope has been saying, I couldn't find the back door quick enough to get out. (laughs) And so why are you remaining in a church where the very head of your church is going against the Bible in such a historic way? But it's really interesting, too. I wanted to share this with you. Pope Francis, as you know, is the first Jesuit Pope. And there's a couple of key players in... American politics and science today that are Jesuit trained and are carrying out the plans of Pope Francis. Everybody's familiar with the name Dr. Anthony Fauci. Yes. He's the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. He, along with Robert Redfield, who is the leader of the Center for Disease Control, are both Jesuit trained and they're both loyal Jesuits carrying out the dictates of their pope. And we know from everything the pope has said since he took office, he's very pro-Marxist, very pro-socialist, and we're seeing him very involved in the formation of the global government and the global religion. Mm -hmm. And so we just need to be aware that uh, when you have a loyal Jesuit submitting his authority to the pope rather than to his country, we have to be very aware of that. Amen. We've got uh, just a couple seconds. Actually, we've got to take a break. I knew it was getting close. Uh, Mike Gendron is with us, Proclaiming the Gospel Ministries. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit more about Pope Francis, including women, uh, female ministries in the Catholic Church. Also, the Christian's response and responsibility to all that's going on and how we can impact the world around us in the coming days. More on Stand Up for the Truth in just a minute. 
thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. We're back with Mike Gendron, Proclaiming the Gospel uh, Ministries, and we are talking about some apostasy in the church, what's happening in our culture, the, wor- the threat of a world religion, a one-world religion, and uh, leaders in the church that uh, have led people astray. Uh, Pope Francis is one of them, and I think even our Catholic friends would admit that if they understand the, the Roman Catholic Church teachings. But he now, this is just uh, this week, I think this came out, that he is including female ministries and continues his pattern of uh, adding these extra things to the Catholic Church that really don't, uh, they're not supported by the Church doctrine. Would you like to comment on that? Well, there's just been a very strong woman's movement within the Roman Catholic Church, and they're really seeking the opportunity to be priest. And so far the Pope has said no, but what he does is he pacifies them by elevating them to different positions that were once dominated by men only. And so I think it's just a matter of time before they do entertain the thought of ordaining women as priests. And many of the women, of course, that are pushing for this look to their sister religions, the Episcopalians and the Orthodox, and they see women being ordained there. So they're putting a lot of pressure on the Pope, and more than likely he will eventually compromise like he does on so many other things. Uh, the comments in this article are um, that, that it says it's an egregious departure from Catholic tradition. Now, this is from LifeSite News. Uh, it says not, it's not a problem, apparently, in the mind of a pope who already modified the Church's universal catechism on a matter of no small importance. So there are some people that are trying to call him out and raise awareness. I don't think their voices are heard uh, because he's got such uh, um, a high platform and a public platform and just a, a place of influence. And uh, we have to be concerned. He's a man. He's a leader, a religious leader, yes, just like pastors in our churches. These aren't, they aren't gods, <laughs> small g. These are leaders in churches, but uh, they will be held accountable for what they do and especially what they teach. Yeah, and he's also been very pro-Mary to the point where he even gave Mary a new name. She is the queen of the coronavirus. Oh, no. Yeah, she has more names than Jesus, and there's more churches named after Mary in the Catholic religion than there are after Jesus. And so this is not unusual, though. His predecessors have also been pro-Mary. You know, they, they deny the unique role of Jesus as the one mediator between God and man. They've elevated Mary to be mediatrix of all grace, and she is the cause of salvation for herself and for all of her followers. And so this, of course, is blasphemy. It goes against the Lord Jesus Christ as the only way to the Father. But Roman Catholics just take this in because it's been a historical um, dogma for so long Mm -hmm. that um, they just swallow it, no problem. So, uh, Mike, the theme of your newsletter this month is uh, encouragement. God's prophetic word encourages believers with all that's going on. And we're talking about some disturbing things, some disappointing things, but as we said earlier, not surprising given the spiritual warfare, given the direction of this world. But I want to talk a little bit about the coronavirus and how we've responded, and also want to wrap this up by uh, talking about the Christian's response and responsibility in these times. But you talked about the pandemic, and you questioned whether it was an actual pandemic or an exaggerated crisis that the government is using to really exploit people. But according to the CDC, you say in the newsletter, the average number of deaths per day was less than the average number of deaths per per day in the previous year. And you said the data has been hidden from politicians and experts. Um, Why? (laughs) I'm trying to figure out why they would not at this point, especially after the election chaos now, start reporting more truthful numbers and more perspective on the virus. What are your thoughts? Well, I think, number one, they'd have to admit that they were wrong Mm. and they were being deceptive, and that probably won't happen. (laughs) But I I think it's fascinating, though, that the very source, the CDC, where Robert Redfield is the director of, you know, he's the one that has pointed out from their data 
that there are less deaths this year than there were in 2018. And now we supposedly have this pandemic, but yet we have less deaths. So the data just doesn't line up. Mm. But I think um, all of this was purposeful for um, the demonic influences to carry out their demonic plans to control people and to bring about the global government and the global religion. It's really interesting to see that because of all this fear-mongering and all this propaganda, hundreds of businesses have gone bankrupt, mm. travel has been restricted, religious freedom has been denied, Yes, elections have been stolen, to include dead people voting, suicides have increased, unemployment's rising, food lines are growing, riots are breaking out, and the national debt continues to skyrocket. These are all... Um, issues that have been brought about because of this fear-mongering and all the false data that is being uh, misled. All the people are being misled by all this false data. And so I think more than ever, we need to do what your ministry calls us to do, and that is stand up for the truth whenever we're in a conversation where the lies of the devil are being spoken. We need to stand up and speak for the truth because what's at stake if we don't, David? The glory and honor of our great mm -hmm. God and Savior, mm -hmm. the sanctity of His church, the purity of His gospel, and ultimately the eternal destinies of those who are being deceived. We need to get people to recognize what the supreme authority for knowing truth is, and that is the Word of God. Everything needs to be tested with the Scripture, and there's nothing that is happening today, that we cannot go to the Scripture to find the answers. And so that would be my urgent request for all of your listeners, to don't be gullible, don't believe everything you hear, Amen. but test everything with the supreme authority of God's Word. And Mike, we've got five minutes left, and for those who might say, well, how do I respond to friends, whether that be in person or on social media or family members, who hear what you're saying, and some of it makes sense, but it sounds like a conspiracy theory that the government would use this virus and just for political purposes or that this great reset, they would really try to do this to wreck the world economy. How would you respond to that? Well, number one, we just need to recognize that this is all part of God's prophetic plan for mankind that is being unfolded right before our eyes. And so we can rest in that, that these things have been foretold, that we're part of a generation that will see these things take place. Mm. And we need to encourage others, especially unbelievers that may not know biblical prophecy, that all this is all part of God's plan. But we need to recognize that we have been living in a fallen world, and we need to be the salt and the light. We need to encourage people. This is a great opportunity as the world gets more and more spiritually dark to shine the light of the gospel. We need to be encouraged. These events are part of God's prophetic plan. We need to avoid being conformed to the corruption of the fallen world that we live in. Instead, we need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we may prove what the perfect will of God is. Amen. Those are the words of Paul in Romans 12, too. And we need to rescue those who are perishing. They don't have any hope. They mm. don't know where to look for truth. Let's point them to the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the personification of truth. He said, my word is truth, and he came to this earth to testify to the truth. Mm. So why would we look anywhere else for the truth other than Christ and his word? We have a great responsibility when the Lord Jesus ascended into heaven, he had accomplished his mission to seek and to save that which was lost. But when he ascended into heaven, he passed the baton to his church. Mm. We are now to seek after those who will never seek after the true God and share the glorious gospel of grace with them. We need to recognize the people we engage throughout the day have very little hope. They're disillusioned. They're confused. They don't know where to turn. Let us be used by the Lord Jesus to rescue these people and to point them to the living hope, which is Christ Jesus. Amen. Uh, Mike Jenrin, we have about two and a half minutes left, and um, you said some important things, and there are more people 
in our spheres of influence who are hurting in this season in life and what the coronavirus has done, whether that be, you know, whether they have been affected personally, financially, their health, someone that they know has died, but depression and anxiety and suicide attempts have been off the charts and calls to crisis hotlines. More people are searching these websites. They're going to search for uh, truth, scripture. They're searching God. What is it? What happens after we die? More people are thinking about their own mortality. So let's wrap this up in the last two minutes and just share what else we can do practically to encourage believers and continue to try to reach people who are truly feeling hopeless right now. Yeah, we need to point them to the blessed hope who will soon return to the earth. And, you know, when we share the gospel with people, we need to make sure that we're sharing it completely. And the gospel starts with God's perfection. He is holy, and as a holy and righteous God, he must punish every sin that's ever been committed by every man and woman that's ever lived. And he didn't leave man in his helpless condition, but he sent a Savior, a Savior that would satisfy divine justice, that he would take upon the sins of those who believe, and he would bear the wrath of God in their place, such that divine justice will be satisfied. We need to warn people, if they reject the Lord Jesus Christ as their substitute, divine justice will be paid when they meet him as their sin-avenging judge at the great white throne. And there they will be cast into the eternal lake of fire to satisfy divine justice. And so today is the day of salvation. We need to urge people that God doesn't promise anyone tomorrow. Man needs to repent and believe the glorious gospel of grace. And when he does... There is a promise given by God that you now have in your possession, eternal, everlasting life. And this promise is backed up by God's omnipotent power. And so that's the message we need to share with people. Turn to Christ while there's still time, and then you will have everlasting hope and a secure, eternal future. Mike Jenron, Proclaiming the Gospel Ministries, thank you. I'm encouraged. I feel better, at least more calm after and, and hopeful after hearing just your encouragement to the church, uh, to be the church, really. And I uh, want to remind people that you have a chapter, and you are one of the contributors to the book Lawless by Terry James. We will put that link in the podcast post. Always a pleasure to have you on, Mike. God bless you, and Lord willing, we'll talk to you in the very near future. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. All right, when we come back, we'll let you know who our guests are the rest of the week and get ready for tomorrow. Stand Up for the Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now we wrap up today's Stand Up for the Truth. Do you think the government should penalize churches for worshiping the Lord and not abiding by certain uh mandates or restrictions. Do you think the churches should be free to worship inside their own buildings? Well, uh, one church is getting penalized $10,000. That's Steve Smotherman's church, uh, Legacy Church in New Mexico. He's our guest tomorrow, and you have an opportunity to tell New Mexico Governor Grisham to stand down and drop the charges by filing or sending a petition from AFA.net, American Family Association. Um, So you can actually have a say in signing that petition saying, stop Uh, discriminating against churches. So Steve Smotherman tomorrow. It's a new podcast. And Mike Abendroth will be live with us on Thursday. And we will hear from Shane Eidelman, a pastor in Southern California, on Friday. Thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, God bless you. Keep speaking the truth about things.